I want to read to you, start with from um, Psalm 73. And it's just near the end of that, of that psalm. And, um, and it says, Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's, one of the, that's what I want us to think together about this evening. This whole day has been about encountering God. It's been about meeting with Jesus. And we've been doing that in the, the, the songs that we've sung. We've been doing that as we've prayed the prayers. We've been doing that as we've um, kind of thought about the Bible together. And when it comes down to it, and when we think about our lives we, we often get to this point where we just go, who have I got in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And when I was driving up here earlier, I was just praying and thinking, I just want to tell you about Jesus. I want you to know again, either for the first time or the hundredth time, how wonderful Jesus is. Jesus will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never stop loving you. He will never ignore you. He will never, Jesus will never forget about you and move on to someone else. Jesus will never um, stop listening to you when you pray. Jesus is utterly reliable, completely trustworthy. When other people annoy you and, and um, let you down, Jesus will never do that. He will always be there. He will always love you. Once you commit your life to him, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. And I was thinking back to um, a time when I was in a kind of worship meeting like this and we'd been praying together and, um, and we just spent some time um, singing some songs of worship and I remember just kneeling down. It was a mass, massive crowd in this big tent at a festival, a Christian festival. I remember just kneeling down on, um, on, this, on this kind of really uncomfortable floor and, um, and just started to cry. And, and in that moment, I, could, I just felt like the hand of God on me and I felt the presence of God with me. And, um, and I just had this, I think probably about an hour must have gone past and it seemed like three minutes. And, I, and in those moments, I just felt like I was home. I was home. In, in, I was in a safe place. I was in a place where God, God's love was not kind of cut off from me for, by anything. And I remember just in those moments thinking, I, I just want everybody I know <laughs> uh, and I've ever met and everyone I've not met just to experience this sense of God's love, this experience, this sense of home, of, of hope, of when everything else falls away and you just go, earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's nothing. I've, I've, I've been alive for 47 years and there is nothing that is as good as Jesus. There is nobody who will transform us like Jesus. There is nobody and nothing that, uh, that, that, that will bring us the, the things that we thirst for the things that we long for in our lives. There is nobody who will speak into our lives like Jesus. There is nobody who will do that. He's the one who comforts us 
when we're grieving. He's the one who gives us hope when we feel like there is no hope. And um, I guess I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that Jesus um, has done in um, in my life, in my church, and in in the lives of friends that that um, that I know, and just each one just speaking of the God who will never let us down, the God who is who is wonderful, the God that bring cha- brings change when we think that change can't happen. When we first moved into our estate in Salford, it was um, in 1999, which was the year that um, I got married and Man United won the treble. It was like this gr- the greatest year ever. <laughs> and um, I'm not even thinking about what happened this year in football. For as far as I'm concerned, it didn't happen. Um, but we... Um, that that year we uh, we moved into the uh, estate that we still work in uh, in at the moment, and it was really tough in those days. Um, it had been kind of ruined, really, the area by a couple of gangs that had kind of terrorised the uh, the place. And um, by the time we moved in, a third of the houses were empty. Um, you could buy a house for a thousand pounds or less. Some some of them. And um, nobody wanted to live there. People were just looking for ways to to move out. And uh, and, and God decided that he was going to move some people in. So me and a few other mugs, um, <laughs> some of my mates, all kind of got, got houses in the area and um, just tried to pray together and work out, I wonder what it would be like if God's kingdom came on earth as it is in heaven in this place. I wonder if a place could change from somewhere where it's really scary to live, where um, on uh, on the two months either side of bonfire night, if you walk down the street, you've got these kids who've pulled uh, drain pipes off the wall and are firing fireworks down the street. Um, that used to happen quite a lot, or pushing them through your letterbox. Um, I wonder if I wonder if this place could change. I wonder if a if a people could stand up in a in a community and say in Jesus' name and say, this is not the way we want to live. We want to live a different way. And um, and we and over the years, we've just seen um, that it wasn't like we came and we sorted it out, but actually God was at work in that place. And what, the reason he'd called us there was to join in with what he was doing there and to call out the things that we saw that were good and to encourage the people who had those gifts um, that the community needed and gradually over the years we saw a community hiding behind their in, in their houses behind the doors emerge again and began to have hope and began to think that things could change um, and, and and along the way we saw a number of people um, transformed by God in that way uh, a friend of mine Brian who um, he used to come up sometimes when we had like we had little story times every week in, in our church. What's God been doing in your life this week? And my mate Brian, who's again just sorry to go back to football, but a Man City fan, um, which is really sad, um, and a massive Man City tattoo on his back, and lots of other tattoos. Proper like rock hard Manchester guy with a bald uh, shaved head and um, really rough background and. And he'd started coming along to church and once he came up and said, uh, uh, I've got a story to tell. He says, I needed 100 quid. Um, so I prayed to God, went in the bookies and I won 100 quid. So that's God that is. And I was like, is it? <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it's not. And um, and he he once uh, he came to our church weekend away and 
um, I remember him telling the church his story. And, um, and I remember, I'll never forget it, we were in this room together. And um, it was a kind of a Christian kind of retreat centre. We are all sat around tables eating slightly poor, disappointing food. And, um, and Brian got up and, he'd, and, he, and he held this bit of paper in his hand and he was nervous. He, the paper was shaking a little bit. And he said, uh, he said so seven years ago, um, I had this experience that changed my life. He said, all my life I've been in and out of drug rehab centres, been addicted to drugs, alcohol. Um, I've, I've always tried to stop. He said, I tried to uh, stop when I got married for my wife. That lasted six months, then, it failed. Then, I, then I went back to it. I've had five kids. Every kid we've had, I've tried. I've said, I'm going to stop for this one. And I've tried and I've failed. And he said, and I got to this stage where a guy said, Brian, you need God. And he said... Um, as far as I'm concerned, I am God, so I, I make my own decisions. And um, but he said I got so desperate one day that I got down on my knees and I said, God, if you're real, I need you to help me. And um, and he stood in front of us all. And in in the room on that weekend away, there was a couple of guys that we worked with in the community who'd come on our weekend away who were atheists. There was um, a Muslim person who'd come who uh, was part of the uh, kind of used to come along to some of our stuff. And there's really kind of diverse group. And, um, and Brian said, um, since that day seven years ago, I haven't touched a drug or any, or any alcohol. And he said, and the only explanation I've got for that is that Jesus saved me. And a whole room stood up, including the atheists, <laughs> and all clapped. <laughs> and because in that moment, you were just like, that is only God can do that stuff. Only Jesus can do that stuff. And, and, and everyone looked at him and no one's going to mess with him, argue with him anyway. <laughs> um, and and he, used to do, he used to kind of tell everyone about Jesus. He, once he was in, um, he used to go to the, uh, the local Y Club, the gym there. And um, it's one of those situations, it's one of those gyms where it's just communal showers. So, all, so he was there um, having a shower. There's two other blokes and the two other blokes are, taking the mick out of uh, one of the chaplains at this gym. And he said, oh, he's a proper Bible basher him. Um, and, and Brian turned around to him, um, and they're all completely naked. And he, and he squares up to this guy kind of against the wall, and he, and he puts his finger in his face, and he goes, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be dead by now and, and the guy just like that <laughs> and, and, it, and it was a bit of a kind of example of what we call power evangelism but in a different way <laughs> and but wherever, wherever he went he would just say it's only Jesus can do that stuff only Jesus can do that stuff and we've seen that again and again over the years that the most unlikely people are the ones that Jesus will come to if you're sitting in it and you think it can never happen to me. God cannot reach me. Or if you're thinking, I know this person, and that's the last person that I can imagine uh, being changed by God. They're exactly the people. And, that, and that's, what God, that's where God leads us again and again. The place where we, uh, we felt like God had told us to move to, that was exactly the place that people said, don't go there. Nobody will be open to the gospel. Nobody, that can never change. That's the worst place in Salford. And that's exactly where God brings us to. The places where it just seems like there's no hope. The places and the people where it just seems like that's not going to happen. And it's often because there's a, there's a, in, there's a verse in the, in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 
And it says that uh, God uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong and the foolish things to shame the wise. And, and, and what, one thing that I've found over the years is that the, the biggest miracles and the, mo- the, the most amazing revelation comes to us in the times of our greatest weakness. When we, uh, it says um, in, a bit, in, in another bit, uh, letter by Paul in 2 Corinthians, that uh, when I'm weak, then I'm strong because God's power is made perfect in my weakness. And one of the biggest messages I really felt like God wanted me to bring to us, to this group tonight, as we think about encounter with God, is that it's often when you get to the end of yourself that you see the start of what God can do. It's often when we feel at our very weakest that we see uh, God's power released. And, uh, and for us as a church, we've never had um, loads of resources. We've never had loads of people. We're quite a small church that often feels quite fragile. And yet it's often in those moments when we're thinking, how the heck are we going to carry on? Like, what is going to happen next? About four years ago, we had just a number of real pastoral disasters in the church where people, a couple of marriages split up and, um, and some really bad behaviour by certain people that, that led to um, and lots of people leaving the church because of what a couple of people had done. And, and I remember that we just got together and the kind of the, those of us that were left and, and we just came before God and just went, what? What are we going to do? Like, how are we going to carry on? How can we keep doing all the stuff we're doing? Because we do all this stuff in the community, all these different projects and helping people in all sorts of different ways. And, and we just felt so weak in that moment and so, like, inadequate. And there was probably nine months where we didn't have, like, a public meeting on a Sunday, but we just prayed together, we cried together, we laughed together, we read the Bible and we worshipped and sang songs and, um, and just kind of asked God, what do, we, what do we do now? Can we carry on? Um, and I remember on Easter Sunday, after those nine months, we kind of um, relaunched our Sunday gathering. And it was this beautiful thing that God did and probably it, about um, a third or two th- or a half of the people who came were had never come to church before, and I stood up at the near the end and I said to the people, "We're going to take bread and wine now, and we're going to remember Jesus and His death on the cross for us." And I said, "You might have received this loads of times, and you're a Christian, or you might." just want to give your life to Jesus today. You might want to come and receive from Jesus for the first time today. And whoever you are, whatever you're doing, I want you to come. And out of those 75 people, probably 65 of them came to receive from Jesus, including one lady who is a Muslim. And she said to me, I can't take the bread and the wine because I'm a Muslim, but can somebody pray for me? And we were basically praying for everyone after they'd taken the bread and the wine. And just watching her start to cry and and know and receive the love of Jesus for the first time. It was just this incredible thing. And all of these people who were coming, all from different backgrounds, hungry for God. And it was one of the highlights of all of the kind of 20 years that we've been doing this together as a a group of people. And it was at our very weakest when God's strength was shown. It was when we didn't think we had anything. And then we realised that it wasn't about what we had, but about what God has. And that's, what we, that, that's where we come in these moments. We come to the God who says, um, you know, I, I'm strong in your weakness. I'll show you uh, my, my strength in the times when you don't think um, that, that you can go on. 
And um, so that's, just read that verse again. My, it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And, um, and often it's when we go out um, and we take God's love out to others that we start to see amazing stuff happen. Uh, the, I caught the back end of the first seminar in here um, when I arrived a little bit late this afternoon. And, and he was saying um, that he sees a lot more, God do a lot more miracles when he's out of the church buildings than when he's in. And there's something that happens when we take God's love out to others. Uh, we spent a few years just praying for people on Salford Precinct, offering prayer, for, especially for healing for people. And um, I remember when we first decided to do it, because the thing that we long for the most is that we see the stories um, that we read in here, in the Bible, that we would see them in our lives. That's what we pray for again and again, that this stuff would jump off the page and into our own lives. That's what we're desperate for. There's a verse in, um, in Habakkuk and it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. And we keep praying that prayer again and again as a church. Lord, we've, we've read about these things. We've, we've heard about them in different parts of the world, in different parts of the country. We want to see them in Salford. We want to see them in Blackpool. Your kingdom coming, people getting healed, people coming to faith in all different ways. And, 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 and as we took um, this kind of offer of prayer out onto the streets, we saw God do so many different things and we, we still do in different ways. And um, I was just, I had very little faith for it. <laughs> I kind of thought this is going to be a bit embarrassing. Um, you know, I might see some of my old schoolmates and they'll wonder what I'm doing or I don't want to like, I'm not very good at praying for people for healing. You know, there was a time when my wife, Esther, was, had a bit of an earache one night. And so I prayed for her um, just before we went to sleep. And in the morning, she had a severe ear infection <laughs> in both ears. <laughs> and I remember she looked at me and she just went, you are never praying for me again. <laughs> and, I had, and I was a bit embarrassed about that. And then, um, and so I was thinking, flip it. You know, if I'm taking this on the streets, like people might die. <laughs> you know, if I if I make people more unhealthy, and uh, and so I remember that for the first time we went out, we were just out there for a couple of hours. I absolutely hated it, and um, I was so embarrassed, and and I didn't want to. You know, people are just there; they've gone for a, a pasty in Greg's, and that's what they want. They don't want some Bible basher stopping them and telling them about Jesus. But so that's what that was in my mind. But um, we just offered. We just said to people, would you like us to pray for anything? And 14 different people on that first time stopped and said, uh, yeah, please. Can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? One lady came and she, uh, she said, oh, I've got um, all sorts of things wrong with me. I've got this really bad back. I've got um, uh, these migraines I have most, most days. I've got this lump in my throat I'm really worried about. Um, and I was just thinking, I'll, I'll get someone else to pray for you. <laughs> and... Um, getting attacked by a moth um and then and so some of a couple of the guys prayed and she just started going uh, making these embarrassing noises like this ooh, ooh, like this and i was like what's going on and she said whoa i feel all tingly all down my back i feel all tingly why is this happening and um and i was like well it might be god um <laughs> or it might be just that 
two people are praying for you outside Greg's and that's a bit weird and uh, so it could be that as well um, but it might, it might be God and a couple of months later she came back and found us again and she said since, since you prayed for me um, two months ago I've, ha- I've had no back pain whatsoever I've had no migraines and the lump in my throat was gone the next day <laughs> and, and I was like on, on the yeah well that's uh, yeah it's good um in my in inside in my brain I was thinking maybe God does exist after all you know and then outside I was just like that's Jesus it's because he loves you and you know and just talking through about that and and we did that for a couple of years in that in that particular way and Every single time we did that, we saw God meet with people. Every single time. Every single time, I, I, I hated it. I was embarrassed. I felt awkward. I just wanted to go and have a chicken pasty and go home. But actually, we um, just making that offer and going, we're coming with actually nothing. We've got nothing. We can't make anything happen. People could just ignore us. And yet, we're going to go and just offer a space where people can come and receive from him. And when we do that, when we just open the space... That's why in a couple, in a few minutes, we're just going to have a bit of space and go, would anyone like to receive prayer for anything? Would you like to connect with God today? And we'd love to pray for you for that. Uh, that's why these days have been put on, just to make a bit of room in your weekend to encounter Jesus, to know his love, which is better than anything else. It's better than anything else. And so we're just making that room, we're making that space to come before God and to, um, and to know the truth that when I'm weak, I'm strong because of him. I've had a really, um, sorry if this sounds a bit depressing, this talk, but um, it's about Jesus, not us, isn't it? And me and a few of my mates have had a really hard couple of months just recently and uh, for various reasons. And I was speaking at this um, event a week ago and, um, and I, I turned up to it and I just thought, I've got nothing tonight. I don't. I don't feel like. I, feel, I don't feel like doing it. And um, I kind of singing a bit in the worship, and um, and then I, and then I get, get to this point when I go to these events, and I suddenly go, "Oh, flip! I'm speaking." <laughs> I just remember, <laughs> and, and it's our oh, Chris Lane. Oh, it's me. And um, I remember just going to God. I, I've got nothing tonight. And I, so I just talked about that a little bit of how of how God uses um, our weakness and. Um, and I felt like God saying something for one of the people in the room. And I had this word from Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 31, that says, anyone who leaves mother and father and sisters and brothers and home for the sake of the gospel will receive a reward in this life and in the age to come. So I shared it with this lady and I said, I wonder if God's saying that you've left somewhere and that's been really hard, but you will receive from God for that. And also, he's called. He might be calling you to um, to go abroad somewhere and preach the gospel to people in their language, um, and that's just what came into my head as I was praying for it. And when you get these things, you offer it um, humbly. You don't say this is what God's saying. You say this might be what God's saying. You don't put it on people. You just offer it them like that. And um, and she didn't really say anything after. So I went home and I thought oh, that was all right. Um, and then they got in touch with me later. And um, the lady who was with with her and said, this lady's been given that exact verse, Mark 10, 29 to 31, four times in the last year. And um, and she just left. She just left home uh, a few weeks ago 
um, her mother left her mother and father and she's really and it's been really hard and also she's really felt like God's calling her to go abroad and to preach the gospel and so she's doing a course, a French course to learn the language so she can preach the gospel in that language to people who will understand it. And I remember just that night, because I was dead tired after I got back and thinking, oh, was that all right? Was that from God? And it was just such an encouragement about how kind God is. Um, and, and I don't know how you're feeling tonight, whether you're feeling on fire for Jesus or you're a bit tired or you're thinking about what you're going to, you know, you're going to get an early night tonight or whatever. But right now, in this moment, if you, whether you're feeling really weak or really tired or really good, whatever it is, Jesus is here by his spirit. Jesus is in this room by his spirit. And every single story that we read in the New Testament suggests that when Jesus is present in a room, anything can happen. Transformation can happen. God will speak and, ch- and change will happen. One word that you could receive from God could alter the, the, the course of your life this evening. I'm not saying it, I'm not guaranteeing it for everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to go around the room now and tell you. But um, that's, what can, that's what can happen in the presence of Jesus. And I've seen that time and time and time again. If we just make the space, rather than just assuming we've done what we were doing, we've sung a few songs, there's been a talk, have a quick prayer, see you later, hope you enjoyed it. We make a bit of space and we just say, come Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? And then we wait and we see what God might do. And, and, we, and we might sing together and worship Jesus. And maybe God gives you a little thing to share with someone else tonight maybe there's another person in this room and you just offer it humbly and say I've got this verse in my head and I wonder if it might be for you and maybe it'll just be nice and it'll encourage them or maybe it'd be the exact thing that they needed to hear the exact thing that they needed to hear let's be open just in these next few minutes to what the spirit might want to say to us because God is kind and God wants to talk to us and God wants to meet with us and God wants to fill us with his spirit is often in our very weakest moments when we don't think we've got anything that God meets with us, that God reveals himself to us. That time when, um, that's the last thing I'll say now, the time in um, John chapter 6 where uh, Jesus is preaching and he's just fed the 5,000 and so he's got these big crowds following him everywhere and then he walks on water like you do. So he's, he's like on fire. <laughs> you know, he's got the crowds, he's got the miracles and everyone comes to hear what he's got to say. And he starts saying this really weird stuff about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And everyone's like, this is weird. And so everybody, like almost every, all these people who were his disciples just leave this. This is too hard. We don't understand it. And there's just 12 of them left, just the 12. And Jesus turns to them and he says, are you going to go as well? And I don't know how, I wonder if he, there was a real sadness in his voice when he sees them all going and he just says, are you, are you going to go as well? And Peter replies, and at first he gets it a bit wrong and he says, well, we've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> so, oh, cheers, Peter. <laughs> That's just what I needed. <laughs> but then in that moment of greatest weakness, Peter goes, you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. And he, get, and he nails it in that moment. That's who Jesus is. The greatest revelation come at the moment of greatest weakness. 
And I want to say this evening that wherever you're at in your life, Jesus wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to encounter you. Jesus wants to breathe on you like he breathed on his disciples. Be filled with the Spirit tonight. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with hope. We don't have to leave here exactly the same as we came in. We can leave here with a boldness and not in our own abilities, but in the goodness of God, in the strength of God, in the trustworthiness of God. He will not leave you. He will not fail you. He has not forgotten about you. And there's some of you, maybe one or two of you here in this room, and you feel like you're, you're kind of feeling tired. You've been serving. You've been slogging away for God. And God just wants to say that stuff from Revelation chapter 2. I've, I've seen your hard work and your perseverance. Now return to your first love. And sometimes we get so consumed with serving God that we forget about receiving his love and just sitting in his presence. And there's an invitation to some of you that are feeling weary tonight to just be in the presence of Jesus and hear him saying, well done, I love you. I'm with you. I delight in you. I'm delighted with you.